how hard did you push it till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. Not much, man. Uh, it's haven't really left the house today at all. I don't say haven't really. I actually have not left the house at all today. Uh, and my bracket, I think I'm in seventh place, but I feel like my bracket has been totally busted. So there's been a lot of kind of crazy college basketball on, but it's that time of year. But, you know, college basketball is fun to me, but the bigger thing is college basketball means baseball is coming and baseball is coming means the Masters is coming. Uh, so, man, I, I couldn't be any happier. And also selfishly, uh, one thing we'll probably talk about today, since you got in 36 last weekend, is love the daylight savings. It just makes such a big difference to have the the sun going down for 7 p.m. It was so pleasant to be able to start around at 3 p.m. and be able to finish an entire 18 before it was dark, even with the crap that we had to deal with at the end of our round, which we'll definitely get into. It was absolutely absurd and ridiculous but golfing with marcus is always a super fun time so i i mean i could couldn't be too upset with anything but yeah this this week you know and the last week has been you know hectic as hell everybody getting their stimmy checks so you know a guy that works in a golf store that does uh club fittings and and builds golf clubs for a living has been a busy busy man because everybody's uh, spending Uncle Sam's dime right now. It's it's absolutely absurd. I didn't we even did, think about that. Dude, last weekend, we did over like $60,000 in Saturday and Sunday sales just in two days. We did more than we do on a Black Friday. It's it's absurd. Wow. The amount of golfers and the amount of people, you know, spending, spending money on golf. It's ridiculous. Wow. I mean, I guess I should have thought about that because people are like, stimmy hits, and then you go buy a new driver and you still got, you know, <laughs> half of it left over. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, it's great to see, and I love to see the amount of new golfers out there. Um, I Like we've said in the past, I would love to be able to snag a tee time without having to, you know, stay up till midnight to get online and, and snag one before they're all gone in the morning. But you know, it, it seeing the game grow in the amount of people getting into it, especially a guy that, you know, does work with the youth and, and um, you know, coaches, it's amazing the amount of kids coming out. I've, I've gotten endless emails about kids wanting to join the high school team this year. It's been, it's been sick. So That's awesome. I'm, I'm so stoked on it. Um, but yeah, this, this weekend uh, played 36 at a, Cool facility uh, out in Roner Park, you know, Northern California, Santa Rosa area. It was it was definitely a weird, weird, you know, juxtaposition when it came to the two different um, courses that I played. So in the morning, me and Ash and Jack went out and played, and our buddy Dash uh, went out and played uh, the South Course. Uh, at Foxtail and you know it, it it was a it was a fun track I would say it's definitely been beat beaten down and battered a little bit uh I mean Ash will, Ash will tell you I mean the the rough was rough 
it was real high. I mean, I'm, I'm talking three to four inches in some parts and it was sporadic. There was, you know, the rough was cut down to an inch and then you'd be, you know, 10 feet in front of you and the rough was three to four inches tall. And, and it was only, you know, inches off the fairway, which was a little, little difficult to, to find your ball if you weren't, you weren't making the fairway, which unfortunately I did not find the fairway a lot of times. So there was a few lost balls throughout the day, but South course was, I mean, it was fun. It was a quirky, you know, little 60, I think what 64 from the tips is what we played at. I think so. Yeah. The one thing I'll say that surprised me a bit is the course. Ra- I mean, one thing we'll talk quite a lot about, I think maybe a little bit here is course rating and stuff, but uh, that course actually, uh, according to Jen was like quite hard. I mean, harder than you would expect it to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I actually found it to be pretty, pretty challenging. Uh, definitely some kind of handshake holes, but definitely some holes where I hit like a good drive and had to hit like a seven iron in, which honestly doesn't have to happen that much. Uh, so certainly a good test of golf, especially for the price point. Yeah. They had some beastly, uh, par fours out there that, you know, really skinny fairways tree line through almost the entire course though. I mean, if you were, if you were missing the fairway and in the rough, you were usually behind the tree or within the trees. So it, it definitely made it a, a test of golf in, in, you know, for, I think you guys pay, we paid 34 walking. I mean, I think 30, 39. I yeah. 39 walking. And that was a morning round on a Saturday. So, you know, for what we paid and, and what we got, I would say it was definitely well worth it. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it was in great condition. They definitely haven't mowed in over a week. It was, you know, the, even the, the fairways were a little thick, you know, you weren't getting the rollout and, and definitely the ball was even sitting within the grass. So, I mean, it definitely needed some help, which was completely the opposite on the North course, which we'll get into. Um, but you know, the South course, we had a great morning. Uh, I did not shoot well, um, at all. I, you know, it was probably one of my worst rounds I've played in, a very long time but of course I went out there with a full set of brand new you know clubs so you know the entire bag was was new and not hit before so that was you know my normal mo but I can't I can't use that as an excuse except for my crooked putter grip although Chris this would be a good time to you said it to me but I feel like we need public accountability uh, you've committed to tinker less. I think you should share what that means to our listeners because many of them are going to play with you. And if they see new irons in the bag, they need to pull out that four iron and well, not a four iron because we're part of the hybrid gang, but okay. a, a lower, uh, you know, like a pitching wedge, maybe pitch, hits you in the shins. If you got new, new irons. So tell the people that you're not going to tinker. Yes. So I, I've given myself to the end of this month, end of March to figure out my bag. So I, I've made some, uh, some, some purchases and then I've also been, uh, lucky enough to get a, a lot of free equipment this year from, from some great manufacturers and some great, um, reps that I have at work that have hooked me up with some, some awesome, you know, stuff to tinker around with, but I'm really just trying to dial in my bag at this point and get to get to where I can, 
you know, just keep it for the rest of the year and, and not pull things in and out of it. So I've narrowed it down to finally just, just two putters between a, between a Betonardi and, and a TaylorMade Spider X, the new TaylorMade that just came out. Luckily, I replaced the grip from, from Saturday, as you were witness. Um, had a little frustration with TaylorMade manufacturing, not being able to put a grip on straight. It was absolutely ridiculous. I bought this putter at work, took it straight out on the course, didn't really take, take a look at it. You know, I, I putted with the different one, you know, our demo that we had at work. And then I just grabbed one of the 35 inch ones and, and threw it in the bag and then took it to the putting green and then handed it to you. And, uh, I mean, it, it was ridiculous how, how off that thing was. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. It's also, I was joking, not joking. Um, I actually use a round putter grip, uh, one of the things I find that apparently one of my, my childhood teacher told me is lefties tend to struggle a lot with alignment. Like I've always struggled with straight lines. And I remember as a kid, a lot of, you know, after kind of teaching me to take a divot, my dad's like, you know, do your aim 60 yards right of your target. So for you as a left, for you as a, a righty, that would be left of your target. So super open. And he's like, you're not straight. You're not straight. You're not straight. And even now, like I play with, uh, I've sort of learned how to play with an open stance because I just, I hate the feeling of being shut. Um, but yeah, that thing would have just messed me up. Cause I mean, you know, the hard part with the, the putter grip, the reason I don't use a regular putter grip is, uh, the, the putter grip, the face of the putter grip not being aligned at the face. I mean, I think the way yours is oriented, everything was always going to be open unless you were combating with your hands. Yep. Just sort of the entire, not the premise of putting. Yeah, I mean, the entire 36, I was literally battling with, with pretty much having the forward press to close the face just to be able to hit a straight putt, which was super frustrating and i guess i figured it out by the time i got to the north course because i i shot 78 compared to my 90 in the morning so you know i guess i figured it out but it it was super frustrating but got got a new grip on there all good to go it, it's gonna it's gonna be money next round but yeah you know whole new bag I, I was playing the new epic speed driver i was playing the new cobra three wood i was playing the new you know, ping hybrids and in the copper, you know, Cobra tour. I, I mean, I even had the, the new, the new Cobra wedges in the bag that haven't even um, technically come out yet. So, you know, there, there was some fun stuff in there. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I think I finally have, have come to, you know, a realization found out what is working. And I think I've, I've found, the makeup that I'm going to have. So you, you, I don't think you're going to see too many changes in the next, the next couple of weeks. It's, it's working well for me. So. Well, two things, one for people at home, Chris recently posted a picture. His idea of consolidating is he has two golf bags. So to be clear, when I say I'm consult, okay, he's now saying four golf bags. So the point is when I have consolidation, like you look behind me, I've got the set I use, I've got a three wood, I've got a, and I've got a four iron. And then soon there's going to be my five iron as I transition to that hybrid. So my tinkering is like, I'm going to go play a course where I want to hit it low. Maybe I'll punch a foreign. Chris is like, I've consolidated. I have four of their golf bags. So first of all, I'm going to call bullshit there. Second of all, I got to flex for a second, dude. After what happened on Saturday, as far as betting, change your bag every fucking week. I don't care. That was, 
It felt very good to go out there on a $39 golf course and make 110 bucks off your yeah, ass. Yeah, you fucking roasted us in the skins. <laughs> this was fucking ridiculous. I think you were you were up 12 skins before we got the whole 14, which which yeah. is like I had the first two skins of the day. Yeah. And then I had zero skins the rest of it. So Yeah. Well, it, was it cuz you step up on the first tee and I go we got to play skins and as you're putting your ball on the ground you go $2 a hole, 300 KPs and all of a sudden we all kind of our eyes just kind of snapped. She's like, "Wait, what?" Like, and then I railed one down the middle and that was about You did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my driver was on point all day. Everything else for that first round was oh, not. Although as your friend, uh I would still say you should stick to that sim. No disrespect. I mean, I'm a Callaway driver man myself, but that that sim I think is something special. But again, you're it's the season of getting calibrated, baby. The season and of getting calibrated. Getting calibrated. And you know, I think I need to spend some time on the range of both of them and and yeah. really see which one for sure. You know, because to be honest, I mean, even Marcus was seeing on the north course when he came out and played with me in the second round. I was hitting that thing off the toe and it was still going 265 and rolling out to 280 off the toe. Yeah, that the thing that, was that's what ridiculous. I've heard. It's sort of like the Maverick, but harder to miss. Yeah, which, it, I which mean, definitely makes my spidey senses go, hmm. Cause I love my Maverick, but if it's harder to miss. I even I even had had Marcus questioning his driver, which he destroys because he borrowed it and took a shot with it and outdrove himself by like 15 yards. Well, th- that's the one thing about being a lefty. It's good that no one can ever use my clubs, and it's bad because I never get to try y'all's. And that, an that's true because I always have something new, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, because, I mean, man, like I, I would be like, oh, I mean, you know what, I'll just buy that Epic Speed off you if you're going to use your sim, but it's like, nope. And actually, for our listeners at home, Chris is a very sweet man. He's tried to buy me multiple gifts two different times. One time he bought me some gloves from work. He bought them uh, their left-handed gloves, oh. I meaning they go on your left hand, which for the, you know, if you're thinking about it is wrong because the gloves for me is a lefty go on my right hand. So that happened once. Yep. And then uh, there's the famous uh, two-eye hybrid, hybrid and Chris found uh, a one version. He goes, I got you a gift. And I was like, well, that's for you, right? He goes, no, nah, it's for you, my guy. And I was like, well, bro, like, I appreciate that, but it's, it's right-handed. You guys don't even know how excited I was. When, when I was super excited work, too. I, it, I, 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 was, I was zooming uh, in and like tr- I was hoping the orientation of the picture was wrong. Like which way is that face, which way is that face turned? Cause honestly that thing, cause you know, I struggle with my three wood. That would be a perfect addition to the bag. Like I would, I would hit that thing 250. It it would be money for you. And it had the exact same shaft that you still have in your. Yeah. Your I mean, it's a dream. It was the perfect club. And then I was like, well, I guess, I guess, you know, this guy traded in this this high bore that I got for ten dollars at work. So, I, I've got this this crazy one iron hybrid that well, one that thing I might think about, around with. None of our listeners are trying to listen to us do a club build on, but no, that could that could be a fun shaft to throw in a hybrid to see. I mean, if, if that shaft works once, it could work again. But yeah, you we'll, know, we'll, we'll, I, I, <laughs> well, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I might save that shaft for you in case you ever break yours. That's so then, then you might have a second one, and then that's, I might put a modern fun. one in there and just see what happens. That's uh, that's a homie move right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I think to to put kind of a pin in Foxtail, I think we both agree for South because I'm going to Chris talk about North, and it would be kind of the theme of the pod. But South is a great experience. I also got to give them credit. There were a ton of people there. Pace of play was fantastic. Yes. Like, I think that's the two things for me. Good greens, pace of play. I mean, we were playing 
pretty fast. Like we finished our nine holes in one hour and 50 minutes and the guys behind us were like on us the whole time. And even on the back nine, we actually stopped to grab lunch and two groups passed us while we were waiting for lunch. And the lunch service was very, very quick. Two oh, yeah. groups passed us. And then by like 14, we had this foursome who was like all over us. But again, I don't really care. I'm, I'm more giving them kudos. Like the fact that they can have that many people on the course and pace to play is that strong. Uh, massive shout outs. I would say to all our listeners, go check it out. 39 bucks. You know, greens were good. We should mention that. Like conditioning was a bit rough. Greens are actually pretty good. Rolled true. Um, and they make a decent hot dog, right, Chris? So, you know, I think the hot dog wasn't bad. I gave it, I gave it a 6.3 out of 10. Um, it was Sounds decent. Bad. No, no, no. If you're, if you're over a six, you're a solid hot dog. I, I don't rate my hot dogs too high. There's not a lot of them that are going to get into the eights and nines. You really have to have some solid, solid dogs. You also probably need to offer a hot link Polish, you know, option as well maybe with a, a hoagie bun instead of a regular hot dog bun you gotta spice it up a bit to get into that eight or nine range for me so wait it, wait, wait, wait wait but like i'm just saying like the premise of this is like a six out of ten is like 60 percent, which is like failing so but I, I i i i don't know but okay no, so i i, I rate uh, uh, if i was a teacher if i was a teacher there wouldn't be a lot of a students in my class so okay. Well, well, I'm going to do a surprise takeover here, and this is going to set the tone. So I got to give a shout out to my, my lovely girlfriend, Liz. Uh, she has been kind of learning about you from afar. She's not met you yet. She's very excited too. But one thing that's been really interesting is, you know, telling her about some of your habits and stuff. And one thing that's fascinated her is your obsession with hot dogs. And so we were talking and I mentioned, I don't remember exactly how this came up, but I was bringing up how you put ketchup on your hot dog. And she was like, why does that matter? It's blasting me for most people. Well, I was like, it's, I was like, I don't really know how to describe it, but like, it's sort of like a faux pas. And she's, and because she's a very curious person, she paused and was like, oh, like, I want to learn more about this. So she went on, I mean, this is where like, literally it was just Google, but I give her credit. She found www.hot-dog.org which is from the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. Hot dog etiquette, everyday guidance for eating America's most sacred food. And I'm not gonna read all the do's and don'ts, but on here, she pointed out, there's a video that accompanies this, but I think the audio quality is bad. It specifically says from the, one more time, National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, which I love you, but you're not a council, you're a person of one. Yes. It says, don't use ketchup on your hot dog after the age of 18. Mustard, relish, onions, cheese, and chili are acceptable. So you're violating the council. You have half of it. You put relish on there. You know what? You so, just, I just wanted me to point out that you're violating the, they think it's America's most sacred food and you do you know, too and you're, I've, you're doing adult. I, I had the same take when I was a kid. So just, just some background, 18. just some background in my hot dog, my my hot dog career here. So in high school, I worked at Parker's Hot Dogs of Santa Cruz when I lived in Roseville, California. So they, they, the name of the hot dog place already doesn't make a lot of sense because we were nowhere near Santa Cruz. We we're two, two and a half hours away, three hours away from Santa Cruz. So the owner of it, his father originally owned the original hot dog stand on the boardwalk in Santa Cruz. 
he relocated to Sacramento, opened this place. Don't want to get into a hot dog podcast, but anyways, I worked there through high school. I've always been in love with, with hot dogs and anybody that plays golf knows one of the top treats that you can have at a golf course is a hot dog. So my treat every time I play around is to get a hot dog. I don't give a shit if somebody wants to tell me that I need to put motherfucking mustard on my hot dogs. I don't give a shit. It's my rating. It's my hot dog. It's going into my belly. So I'm going to put ketchup and relish on that bitch. Eat it the way I want. And that's just how it's going to go down. So it, no, man, kudos. I, it's, I, my, I just, it's my I just had to point it out. So anybody that wants to tell me that I'm wrong can DM me, hit me up on Instagram, hit us up on Municipal Podcast. Let me know. I will get in a hot dog battle any day of the week, calling you out. So I'm just, so then everyone can get excited for the podcast in a, in a month when Liz and Chris meet and they're just like, oh yeah, it was crazy. They just like screamed at each other for six hours. It was insane. Yep. <laughs> yep. She's going to pull, she's going to pull that up and she's just going to try to prove me wrong. It's not going to happen. But I will say if you go on hot dash dog.org, there is a very funny video they had commissioned done that is a hundred percent worth people's time watching. So, but Chris, I did that as a, a, a beautiful look at this. It's almost like I'm a professional straight to a transition about etiquette, because you mentioned, I asked you not to tell me before time, before we press record, you had an experience on the back nine you wanted, or on, on the back nine of the North course you wanted to share, but the idea, and we'll keep it brief. We were talking a little bit about golf course etiquette what we kind of we look for, like what our idea of etiquette is, how to get etiquette on golfers. But let's start with, first of all, we start with the hot dog. Very important is just hear you kind of yell at our, our listeners. That's an important part. But then now tell us a little about that. First of all, tell us, I want to hear about the North course. You said it's different. I want to know what that was. But two, tie in kind of what happened at the end as a larger discussion towards, uh, towards overall etiquette on the course. So, yes, we definitely ran into some, some, idiots that were in front of us and we'll get there so north course at at foxdale compared to south course it is i don't even know how to explain the difference it is night and day the south course is rough around the edges the tee boxes are you know not so flat the greens are littered with uh you know with with ball marks just because i mean it's your typical muni course and, and like we said, the track is very fun. It's a great layout for the price that you're paying. There's nothing bad I can really say about it. But for a little bit more, we paid to play the North course. Actually, because we were Twilight, it was only 34 bucks for us to play the North course. And the North course was immaculate. The fairways were tight, perfect conditions, perfectly manicured rough. The greens were incredibly well done. It, so anybody that's been to Foxdale, it is a, or if you haven't, let me explain to you. It is the weirdest setup I've ever seen. So on the right-hand side, when you pull into the, when you pull into the actual golf course, you got the parking lot, the clubhouse, 
you know, their little rec area that they must rent out for, you know, weddings or whatnot. And then they've got, you know, the cart barn and the south course, you know, everything in the driving range. Everything is on the right hand side. And then you wouldn't even know there was another golf course in, in this facility. But across the street where you, it doesn't even look like you're supposed to drive golf carts across the way or it, you don't have no clue really where you're going. They have very vague signs that tells you where to go. But you basically cross this street, cross these, uh, you know, cross one other street, go around this convenience store in this like um, almost like mini mart area. And then you're right at a putting green in the first team. And you just show up at this most immaculate area and golf course it it was insane i i didn't know what i was expecting i i read before i went out there and and really you know they they had some stuff on their website that said that they did a lot of renovations and did you know did a lot of upkeep on the north course within the last year but man this place was immaculate and i don't know if it's because sonoma state um, who has division two golf program that's their home course i don't know if they have anything to do with it or that you know the upkeep it they you know they must you know pay a little bit extra or you know donate to the course to keep it that way but this place was freaking insane i mean me and marcus went out there and unfortunately ashton had to go back to the city he had some prior engagements with liz and and uh, a birthday party to get to jack on the other hand our producer had no fucking reason not to be playing light him course. up light him up this guy just bitched out and had no real excuse of why he didn't want to come play with marcus the great and big c like it was it was ridiculous did he ever give you a reason Never gave me a reason. Drove two hours from the South Bay all the way to Roner Park to play 18 holes in the morning. Your drive's not even that bad. Like, you oh, drive from the city was like to Roner Park. It's like 45 minutes, right? 45 minutes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's about an hour. But for him, it's an hour just for him to get to me or you. Then it's the extra hour to get to where we were at. So this guy drove two hours to play 18 holes and had no reason not to play again with us. So, I mean, you know what? He missed out because he played the shittier of the two and then got to drive a crazy long way home and then see all the pictures and post it. Me and Marcus decided to post throughout our round. So hopefully Damn. Damn. Jack is jealous and upset and hurting inside because he missed the better of the two. The best part of this is he's got to listen to this before our listeners do. So he's, yeah, this, this is, is yeah, he's going to, he's going to feel feelings long before anyone else does. He's got to edit this roasting that I just gave him. So hopefully next out. time uh, he, he makes the proper decision to stay and play with his homies, but Man, Chris, you're like, I'm not going to lie. Between the hot dog and this, like, this is a sassy podcast. I'm hostile. And, and, now, I, we're moving, and now we're moving to etiquette where it's I'm probably, coming. 
it's probably not about to, this isn't about to be a, a, a better look probably the emotions are going to be coming out even even hotter yeah. i would imagine you, it, the these guys flared me up on this round i mean so Hit me tell me so the story we're we're starting off the round um we've got this really guy really great guy i think his name was matt that played with us sorry if, if you ever do listen to the pod which we we told him about it and said he'd check it out um if I got your name wrong, I apologize. Sickest guy. It. I mean, Southern California surfer vibes in living in Roner Park. This guy was. This guy was great. Me and Marcus had a blast playing with it. Um, but so we we're getting through to about the fourth hole. We catch up to the group that's in front of us, and it's two two walkers and two older gentlemen that are kind of just hacking it up and, you know, taking their sweet time. And so, you know, we're, we're in no rush, but, you know, we catch them on the tee box on the first par three and, and our, the guy we're playing with rolls up to him and, and asks him if we could play through. And they, they give us the weirdest vibes and just basically say, well, there's a single in front of us. That's that was holding us up. And we kind of all look at each other and, where we were at, we could see the next three holes and we could see there's no one in front of them. And we're just like, uh, first off, anybody that knows golf etiquette, there's nothing wrong with allowing people to play through. First off, I don't know anybody that wants somebody to be on your ass the entire time you're playing. It makes you feel rushed. It make you know it makes you play worse. It's not enjoyable to have somebody on your ass the entire time. So to just let somebody play through, especially in a par three, it doesn't take any time. We would have teed up, hit, you know, putted real quick and got out of their way. It would have been no excuse. They would have never saw us the entire round. But because they didn't do that, we were on their ass the entire round, and they had to deal with us multiple times. So. They give us this bullshit excuse. We're just like, whatever. We brush it off. We just start chatting and let them finish the hole. We play through. Then about two holes up, we run right into them again on the tee box. And, and they kind of try to... You just said you played through, so you did not play through. I'm sorry. We we played through the par three after they finished. But okay, we did not, not play, play through, through the group. Okay. We did not play through the group. We finished the par three. Then we finished the next hole. And then after that hole, we caught up with them again. And we could tell they were rushing off the tee box so they didn't have to uh, have us approach them. So we're like irritated and frustrated. And, and it's just kind of getting, you know, getting a little bit annoying. They, after we said that, they did speed up for a while. And so, you know, we didn't have to wait too much in, for the first nine. Then the back nine came around. And every single hole, they were basically just about 100 yards out into the fairway by the time we got to the tee box, almost every single hole. So it was one of those things where it's like we weren't close enough to ask them to play through, but we were having to wait five to 10 minutes almost on every tee box so they could. There was nobody ahead of them? There was nobody ahead of them. It was ridiculous. I don't understand. So, like, that can't be fun for them. Yeah, I. That's what we were saying the entire time. 
it's just like I don't understand why you would want us to be sitting on the tee box and basically the minute after you hit your second shot or third for these guys because they were just hacking it like crazy out there some even fourth by the time we were about to you know be that's even less fun shots. I mean like if it, like if you're like struggling and there's people like what's worse than you're struggling and have people watching you, it's like the worst feeling in the world. And then every time we get to our second shot, these two kids that were walking with them thought they were pros in taking five to 10 minutes for every single putt lining up every putt. And we watched both of them three to four putt multiple holes. So one etiquette, anybody that's starting to play golf, let me, let me give you a little insight on putting etiquette. Go, go. If you're, take, if you're on the green and you're putting for bogey or more, you do not need to line your ball up. You don't need to do it. It, it doesn't make logical sense to line your ball up if you're putting for a bogey. I'm sorry. It, you're not putting for anything at that point. You're legitimately putting for a bogey so you don't set up to it hit a good strike that's it if it's bogey or more there's no reason to line it up and let's say you're putting for birdie line it up putting for par second putt line it up i get it after that no more lineups you don't need to line up a putt for you're in bogey territory again you don't need to line it up that that is one thing that frustrates the freaking hell out of me is people that line up three and four putts or bogeys or more putts. Those things drive me absolutely crazy. Uh, Ashton can contest. I'm not one for lining up putts, anyways. That's that's not how I I putt. I've always been you know a feel and lag kind of putter and. And I, you know, I throw my ball down and I line up my face and, you know, I hit my spot. I don't, there's no lines on my balls. I don't, I don't play with, you know, triple track or any of that shit. I, I'm a field player and, and face angle is how I line up my ball. That's, that's how I putt. Um, And I don't have anything against people that line up their balls because we, again, play with a lot of people that do, that do say that that helps them. And, Whatever helps you putt, helps you putt. But again, if that shit is for bogey or more, set the ball down, hit the ball, period. If it's your first or second putt and it's for birdie or eagle or par, cool. Bogey territory, drop it and hit it. I mean, it's, it's out of control, like how slow the pace of play gets when, when people you know, think that they need to line their ball up with every putt. It's it's absolutely crazy. Anyways, so after we're dealing with this and watching these guys line up four putts, five putts, it's ridiculous. Um, we finally get to the 16th hole, and it's starting to get dark. And it's probably 7 o'clock at this time. We lose complete light at 7.30. So anybody that plays golf knows I mean, it takes about 10 minutes for three people to play a hole. Um, you know, it's fairly fast for to play four to play a par four, or par five. So 
these guys are lollygagging on on this hole. It's it's absolutely crazy. So finally, they get out of the way. We finish the hole. We get to 17, and they are just leaving the tee box when we get there. On 17, there's a house on the left-hand side that has balls for sale. I'm shitting you not. These guys pull up to the house while we are sitting at the tee box. They haven't even gone to find their ball at this point. They pull up to the house and they proceed to spend 10 minutes picking out balls out of this fucking ball retriever thing that this house has hanging on their fence. This shit is nuts. I can't make this up. This is that's this isn't a real story. I cannot, I, I am not making this up. These and so now all three of us are living. Because it is now seven. Dude, why, why didn't you just hit? I'm getting there. So oh, I'm gonna go back on mute. So we we we're furious. I I throw my ball on the tee, throw it in the ground. These guys are going across, trying to find their balls now, and I am livid. I light a ball up straight down the middle. I smash it. These guys. They're such fucking hackers. They're in the they're in the rough on the right hand side. The other guys are in the rough on the left hand side. They're hiding in the trees trying to find their fucking balls. It's, it's just a disaster at this point. So I light one straight up down the middle. Um, Matt, uh, the person we were playing with, lights one up right into the the fairway bunker right next to mine, and Marcus lights one up just past mine. So we start bolting out there. Next thing we know, we see these fucking guys in their carts pop out of the trees and then pick up mine and Matt's ball out of the fairway and out of the bunker. And so now me and him are livid. We're like, what the fuck is going on? Then these guys take off down the fairway, turn around and throw balls back at us and say, oh, my bad. We thought that was another ball. So at this point, I am split. I'm like yelling at these guys. So for those of you who can't see Chris's face, he his like his eyes are as big as dinner plates. He looks like Wolverine right now. I am fucking livid. Like during at at this point, one thing, one big no no when you're playing golf, if it's not your ball, and there are other people within a hole's length from you, either coming at you on another hole or behind you, do not pick up the ball. If it is not yours, it could be anyone else's in play. Do not pick up the ball. These guys, first first no-no, they pick up both our balls. And at this point, we definitely hit into them because they were being jackasses the entire round. I'm not one to hit into people. I don't, I don't think it's good golf etiquette. And I will say that first off. But because these guys did not have the proper etiquette to allow us to play through where we would have already finished this round and we would have been done 45 minutes prior to this moment, uh, we were furious. And so while we were dealing with this on 17, two other groups 
decide to pass us and go to the 18th tee box and tee off well we're like dealing with all this shit so these guys i drive up to my ball we're yelling at these guys tell them like just get the fuck off the the hole this is ridiculous you guys are taking way too long we're trying to finish this round so basically these guys i mean i i'm not a small guy i'm six foot three 260 pounds i'm a big boy you know, market Marcus is similar to my to my snowflake of a of a uh, co-host here, um, and he he's not the the biggest guy, but Matt, the guy we're playing with, is very similar to my size. So these guys seeing us roll up probably weren't stoked about it or thinking that there was two giant men playing behind them, but they definitely didn't want the smoke because Matt rolled up to him and personally laid it into them and then that that was it they made another bullshit excuse up on 17 then they they jetted off to the 18 key box at this point the other group that jetted in front of us when we're dealing with the shit on 17 is now in the middle of the fairway on 18 taking their sweet ass time so by the time we finished 17 the two walkers definitely didn't didn't want anything to do with these two guys that were in carts that were causing all the issues. They decided after 17 to just go. They didn't even play 18. They were just like, yeah, we're, we're done. We're, we're not even, we're not, we don't want to fuck with this. So these guys, they, they were gone by the time we got to the 18 key box and these two jackasses were trying to find their, their balls in someone's backyard on the left-hand side. By the time they figured this out, Another etiquette issue. So let's get into this. When you're riding in a golf cart and you one of your partner's balls is on the left-hand side of the fairway and your ball is on the right-hand side of the fairway, drop your boy off at his ball with his club and his club for his next shot just in case and then go to your ball. Nothing infuriates me more than when people are riding in a cart and they go ping-ponging back and forth across the fairway, hacking it 75 to 100 yards back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and driving to each one of your ball individually. It drives me up the fucking wall. I, I, won't, I, I get livid. So these guys fucking around on the left-hand side, so one of their guys hits the ball. Then they drive all the way over to the right-hand side. While this is happening, they're sitting at the right-hand side while this group that jumped in front of us is finishing on the green. And just like I was talking about with this group and the two walkers lining up their four putts, the group that jumped us is now taking 15 to 20 minutes on the green. And my group is now yelling at the people on the green to get it moving because we literally are in pretty much darkness at this point. And we're just trying to get around it. And the only reason that we're, we're so trying to get around it is because I was lighting it up on the back nine. And Marcus knew how well I was playing and he didn't want to stop either because he wanted to encourage the good play. Like I shot two under on the back nine. Like it was... It was, I was lighting it up on the back nine. And 
So we didn't want to stop. Even though I was getting irritated and upset, I was still playing good golf. So I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to finish or not finish. So we're yelling at these guys. They, the guys that we've been interacting with yell back at us saying, we're waiting for the guys on the green. And we yell back at them. We're not yelling at you now. We're yelling at these idiots that just can't get their shit together that jumped us and are now trying to like, I don't know what they were doing. Like you skipped an entire hole. I don't know why you need to line up your putts on a, on a hole that really doesn't matter. Anyways, finally they get off the green. These guys basically just picked up their ball at this point because they could tell we were so upset and they didn't want to, they didn't want any smoke in the parking lot, which I'm not one to cause a scene or, you know, start anything there wasn't going to be any smoke in the parking lot i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna try to beat up a couple old men like that that wasn't the angle here i wasn't trying to but none of that was gonna happen i just wanted to be able to finish our round and these guys if they had proper etiquette would have let us pass and we wouldn't have ever had any of these issues we would have been done and gone already anyways we finish 18 it 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 was a great round. I had a great time with Marcus. I had a great time with the guy that we played with. But man, those last five holes, I I wanted to just light their golf cart on fire. It was it was the worst golf etiquette I think I've ever experienced for a group that I've had to play behind. And I, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that where just like somebody wouldn't pass, let you pass. And I've, I've maybe had that happen once or twice where like somebody legitimately wouldn't let me pass. And it's just like, do you have an explanation why somebody wouldn't let you pass? No, I mean, I, I think that it must be, I guess that it's if you don't play golf, and you think so like you think that that's like an alpha move like a dominance thing because I, yeah i mean I, I think it's from all you have to do is to be because i mean i think the hard part about this situation for me is always like we've said several times it's just unenjoyable for everyone right it's not fun for you because you're waiting it's not fun for them because you're right there the whole time i mean i think it just must come to a lack of experience in the dominance thing right I, I guess. And that's the only thing me and Marcus could chalk it up to was they must have thought that we were trying to, you know, I, I guess like throw a power move on them or, you know, say that we were better than them. Or I, I don't know how you would take that because I've always been raised a certain way. And the way I've been raised is if you're playing slow or playing leisurely, that if another group is playing faster, you let them go. No, totally. And, I, I mean, like I think I said one of the first podcasts, my dad told me when I was a kid, he said, as long as you know the rules and play fast. And he emphasized that actually, especially when you're, you're playing early on, it's more number two, right? Because it doesn't matter really if you make like a seven or a nine, it's much more about like just moving things along. Um, and this isn't like a drive-by shooting of the PGA, but this is where I will say, I think that one one issue is the, the golf that people watch on TV. Like Bryson at the U.S. Open was what a hole, a hole and a half, two holes behind. Like you know, they're, the, the, what they're watching on TV is a bunch of lineup, super slow play. 
So I think that it's, you know, it's people just, it, it kind of goes back to the, almost like the equipment debate of people trying to be like the pros. But one take I have that goes way back to the beginning of the story is, I don't know, this is, this is probably not worth of a huge discussion, but I personally don't think that people should be allowed to use a line putting. I think that it just takes like, it's also biased. Cause for me, like I, I really like using the pick the TP five picks golf balls or the, um, the Chrome soft Truvis because I like to like pick a spot and look at it, but I'm like you, like, I, like I find it actually very hard to like line up, like to actually make it straight. And I start, I start to obsess over line and then I lose all feel like my speed totally goes to crap. Cause I'm so focused on my line. But I think that like, for, I, I don't know. I personally think that that shouldn't exist. Uh, and I think that would help with pace of play a lot. But also it's funny, I was I pulled this up just while we were sitting here. I know that everyone's talking about this yesterday on golf social media. Uh, but the guy who won yesterday, Matt Jones, they were saying he was over from the time from address to impact was less than five seconds. And that that is extreme. But the point is I think that if more people modeled that, then that'd be a huge difference. But to your point, Matt I think that Jones one of the top my idol. So. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable to watch him, but I think this is kind of a, uh, it's a great point. I think that very honestly, I think it was probably just a lack of awareness for them from what is right. One thing I know you wanted to just like hypothesize is how do we get those people, like, how do we teach those people in a way that's not, you know, the dominance thing, but how do we get people to realize what that is? I mean, maybe early on in one of our podcasts, you mentioned a golf competency test. I think that maybe people are going to think that it'd be ridiculous, but that may be the answer, right? I mean, it. that's what they do in some European countries. Like, if you go to France and you play, you know, courses out there, you actually have to play around with a golf pro and get a, you know, like you were just saying, you have to get a card that states that you know golf etiquette and that you can play to a certain standard. And I'm not saying, like you were saying earlier, if you're shooting 90s or in 100s, I don't care if you're shooting that, but you need to understand etiquette. There's no reason that you need to take four practice swings and, and, and try to work on your swing while you're playing and shooting a hundred. It's just step up to your ball, hit it, go to your next shot. There, there, the time to practice and work on your swing is on the range. It's never on the golf course. Golf, not golf swing is what my dad always said on the course. Golf, not golf swing. Yes. And, and so it, if that's what you're doing, either come out on the twilight round and during your, during a very slow time, but allow people to pass you move over to the side, let people go, you know, take your time. I, if you want to do some on course practice, I'm all with it, but have the etiquette, to allow every single group play pass hey, and Chris, do not this, hold people up. This may not, well, I think this is the time and this might turn into a bit of a megapod, but as uh, I take another deep breath, do you want to tell the the listeners about our Diablo, whichever one it was experience? Oh my God. Yeah. I don't so, want to, I want, I want to light the wrong golf course on so fire. Diablo Creek. This, so, this, just for context, I will let him tell the story. This is the single worst golf experience I've had in my entire life. And if golf was this, I would break all my clubs over my knee and quit. Just that's how strongly I feel. So guys, so we had a round at this, this is probably a month and a half, almost two months ago at this point uh, with, uh, was it Jack and Hussey that we were with? I think it was Hussey and Dash. Hussey. Yeah. Hussey and Dash. So Hussey. Hussey. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were with Hushy and in Ashton, and so and Dash. Um, and Dash. Um, and so sorry, Dash. Um, but we were at Diablo Creek, which is in Concord, California. It's a muni right off the freeway, pretty flat course, interesting. You know, we we all said we we really wish we didn't have this experience because we really liked the layout of this golf course, which was the saddening part about this. But so we had a 1232 time. We show we all show up 1145, a little early. Um, you know, Dash actually shows up right at our two time and runs over and, and gets there right on time. Or was that you, Ashton? I mean, I'm always the last one there. I think it was I, you. You might have never, up. I mean, I'm joking, but I've effectively never in my life warmed up before I played. Yeah. So it, it, it was one of the two of you guys. Anyways, so you roll up right on the tee box. So we're, we roll up right at 10, 15, about 15 minutes before we were supposed to tee off. And there was eight golf carts waiting. I was going to say there's probably like 20 people around the hey, first. There's like 20 people around the, around the team. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? And we, we don't really pay, paid any mind too much. We kind of just start putting around and, you know, we're like, ah, eh, maybe just a bunch of people are showing up to their tee times early. I don't know. You know, so we start putting they're around. They're really hyped to get on the fucking golf course. <laughs> yeah. They're just, they're just stoked. They're ready to go. It's and fucking so Saturday, like, man. It's Saturday, 1230. Let's get it. Like, anyway, that sounds like a college football vibe, but I mean, that's I don't know. That's how people feel about their their weekend golf. Apparently. You never know. Um, but anyways, it's twelve thirty. We step over, and there's still a group on the tee box, and there's still twelve people waiting, and and we're like, what the hell is going on? So we, our buddy Chris Hussey asks um, the people on the tee box what what their tee time was. And they turn to us and say 1130. And we look at each other and we're like, wait. And we're like, are you got are you did you guys just get here late? Were you guys waiting for somebody? And they're like, no, the tea times are that backed up to where 1130 is teeing off at 1230. So I think I think it was like 40 minutes, yeah. It was like, yeah, some some crazy thing like that. And we're like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And so basically people are teeing off one after another after another as fast as they can, basically just stacking the golf course. And we start looking around and there, there's a lot of groups of parents following kids playing golf. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta, so like... We had, the group in front of us was the parents and the kids. Yes. And, and, and at that time, that's all we saw. Cause we sort of made the like, haha, like, what is this a junior clinic? Yeah. But like for the sake of the story, we didn't realize what was going on until we made the mistake of playing the back nine. Unless you had that revelation. I was like, wow, I cannot believe there's like a parent and kids. No, I kind of, I kind of had sneaking suspicion since I'm a coach and kind of understand yeah what happens prior to like us kids and AJGA events. I kind of was thinking I, I knew what was going on. So basically what we found out towards the end is there were a bunch of groups of parents. So basically there's mobs of eight people walking down fairways 
four parents and four kids playing. Parents were not playing, but they were basically doing on-course clinics with their kids, getting ready for the junior tournament that was being held there the next day. And so, of course, anybody that knows anything about, you know, golf or preparation for tournaments, they are taking their sweet, sweet ass time, allowing their kids to hit multiple shots in multiple spots. It, it was slowing up the entire golf course, let alone what we found out at the end of the round was they also had a frost delay earlier in the morning, which, you know, letting people know when they check in for their tee times that there was a delay because of frost delay, also good golf course etiquette. But as we found out, Diablo Creek does not have good golf course etiquette or good customer service. Um, or, or any, any, I mean, like absolutely any self-awareness of what was going on. We'll get, to, we'll get to the end, but like, that's an important point is like, I don't care if it's a golf course. I don't care if it's your own home, you should know what's going on in your business, your home, whatever. And like when Chris walked in at the end to complain, the guy was like reading a newspaper and was effectively like, this is news to me. It's like, dude, we just took four hours to play nine holes. And they, and, had, they act like they had no idea. And we spoke to multiple other groups that were not, you know, part of the whole kid posse going around the course. And they were all furious as well. And multiple groups said they called the clubhouse. So there was no absolute way that the clubhouse did not know what was going on they just decided not to send anybody out or to not do it no marshals no again like that's right i'm gonna give harding park another shout out when i played there the guy i told you saw that guy twice and he was like hey how's place to play how's the group been ahead of you just and he had a little like clipboard i guess he was keeping like on track and stuff every course should have one of those just one guy in a cart well and it's not hard to find one older retired guy to give him some free golf every week to come out in, in Marshall on the weekends on the busy days. Yeah, it, for it's sure. It's not a very difficult thing or just to hire somebody for minimum wage and have them drive around the course and make sure people are keeping up with play. Like you guys are making money hand over fist right now. Every single golf course has stacked tee times. It's impossible to even get tee times right now. So for you to give us any excuse not to have a marshal, it makes no sense. To, to have one guy driving around the cart just to tell people that they need to keep it moving is not a lot to ask in a yeah. good golf course would happen. Well, and Chris, you pointed out too, the other thing to note is like, again, you and I are both like very supportive of kids. You talked about the kids on course, five bucks, but you actually set a good example there how frustrating that was because for those groups that are holding up the entire course, it's like, you know, several kids in a group paying five bucks and like we're paying full freight, right? And that's just like, again, th they just have to do better. Like we were saying like, if you want to do that, they should have just closed the course to anybody who wasn't practicing. And like, that may have been frustrating to not get a tee time, but I would rather have that day not have played than played, right? Because of how bad yeah. it was. Because I mean, you saw, we even got, even got to this, but on the back nine, the super group for like, eight nine people remember that yeah and that that's what i'm talking about so in so basically it, it took us five hours to get through nine holes I, to be honest we're nuts i have no clue why we even stuck around that entire night i almost didn't you, you said 
and I was like, bro, like this has been a horrible day. Like I kind of want to get home while there's still daylight. <laughs> and yeah, so at the turn, I, I was like, you know what? We just saw a bunch of groups decide to just quit after nine. So like, let's check out the back. And Dude, let's yeah, that's see a good point. Open. We saw four groups pull off and then yeah. pull up and there's a group in the fairway. Like four groups pulled off and then there's still people in the fairway on 10. Yeah, and that, that was our biggest. So we pull up to 10. And there was a group in the fairway, which we're like, all right, so that's not a big deal. They, they played up. We played through. Then we got to the next hole. The next hole was a par three, 11. We pull up, and this is when we run into the major group. And this is when I'm getting frustrated. So no, wait, I, real quick. 11, 11 is actually that that par four with shit on the side. And we were, and, we, and then that's when you saw, and then, and then 12 is when we headed back that way towards right. the green. So and we, they were playing the par three. They were playing the par three. We were going to 11. But yeah, while exactly. we were waiting at the tee box, the par three was yeah. now getting stacked with three different groups waiting at the There was like box. nine kids on that team. Yeah. You were, you were, you were like, you, you were, so, like, I had to be like, dude, you can't go over so, there. So, yeah, I, so I coach <laughs> kids and, you know, I coach and I totally understand prepping prior to a tournament. I, I get it. One thing that will drive me crazy and one thing that I myself will not do with my own children is over coaching your kids. This mom, we watched her proceed. Her kid misses an eight foot putt. She proceeds to drop 10 balls. I counted every single one, 10 different balls until her kid hits this eight foot putt. Well, three groups are waiting on the tee box. I then yell out, pick up your ball, Keep it moving. And I'm yelling at this group. We're not even on their tee box. We're on an entire different hole. But we're waiting on our hole because they are the group holding up the entire golf course. And I'm furious. So like Ash said earlier, he had to pull me aside and settle me down because I was about to go right over there and be in and just lay into a parent. And I'm not oh, wait, like, this is not our fight. This is bigger than us. Yeah. They, they've ruined the entire day for every single paying for customer. Every single person on that golf course. And so we finished the hole we were on and then we called it quits. We were like, you know what? This isn't worth our time. This isn't fun. So we called it. We head back into the pro shop. And I, I'm like, I'm not letting this slide. So I walk into the pro shop and I lay into the, into the, and I, you know, I'm a nice the guy. I'm not, when I say laying in, I, you know, I'm just like, Hey, sir. So this was our experience on the course. It's insane. He looks at me and he goes, well, I, I can give you a refund. And he didn't even give me a refund. He, he gave us a, a rain, a rain check. check. Yeah. And not even a full rain check, a rain check for nine holes. Yeah, which Which you pointed out when we go back, you're just going to be like, no, give us 18 holes in a car. Oh, absolutely. Like, if we, when, if and when we go back. Well, um, I told you the joke, joke, not joke, is let's just be the first group off. 
right? That's the only way I'm playing. This. Only way so I'm playing. If we get a free I'm... round and we're the first group off. I'll play. I'll be the, the course. The course was fun. Yeah. The holes we saw, we only saw like 12 of them. The course was fun. And exactly. That's what frustrated us too, because we, we would have had a blast out there if we actually got to play the course. Anyway, so we get back there. He gives us this bullshit rain check um, for half a round, which to be honest, that's crap customer service. Well, we, then, we should point out to be fair to them. They did charge us for a nine hole round. But like, I mean, just just to be fair to them, I still that's think how they, they should charge for a round. twilight round. Though they oh, they just okay. don't. Yeah, that's their twilight rate. Yeah, um, but again, no, I'm just giving the rationalization for like I agree, but like in their mind, maybe they were doing a square, but like, no, because <laughs> we should have finished. Like, it took us five hours to play twelve holes. We should have yeah. finished. Yeah. Th- so this place was this place was absolutely ridiculous and. So after we leave the pro shop, we're standing right outside the pro shop and, you know, we're, we're talking about how much, how much bullshit this is and about like the nine sum out there. And so this old guy who I guess was a marshal, but not doing his job the entire day, basically yeah. chimes in and goes, what hole are they on? And we go, they're on, jets what, off. they're on 12. And he goes, oh, I'm going to go take care of this. Cool. Thanks for taking care of this basically when it's dark and the and nobody can play it anymore like where were you all day like we were literally sitting in a tee box with an hour delay and you weren't there once yeah i mean it it was so there's a big difference between course etiquette you know the etiquette that people have on the course and then also etiquette done by the golf course and for good public golf experience, you need a combination of both. Yes. You need to have a golf course that's going to call people out on their bullshit and their bad etiquette, AKA having a marshal or having signs like, like at Rustic Canyon to create good pace of play, which unfortunately we didn't experience great pace of play on our last round, but on the Sunday that we went out there and played, they told us if you're going to tee off at this time, you have to finish in four and a half hours. That's not going to make everybody finish in four and a half hours. There's, there's going to be people that are going to say, ah, bullshit. I'm, I'm going to do what I want. But at least saying that and at least being like, you, I, you have to finish at that time and like making it a point that's at least something we're like Diablo's just like, yeah, we'll take your money and we're going to have seven minute increments in between two times. Yeah. Which anybody has played golf long enough knows you have to have a minimum 10 minutes in between two times, especially at public golf where you're getting a lot of people, you know, coming out and playing that aren't necessarily great golfers or might not be the quickest people out and about it you got to give them a little bit of space so that everybody has an enjoyable time. If you're stacking tea times and you're putting people out one after another and it creates a clusterfuck, people aren't going to come back. And yeah, right now, everybody wants to play golf and they're just kind of taking it under the chin when they have bad experiences. And if that's their only local track, they're going to keep going out there, even if they have bad experiences. 
But guess what? We, me and you have played golf long enough to know that golf goes in floats. And yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be a time. I mean, we'll still be playing, but yeah, I mean, I think like, I, I really think that like when everyone's like vaccinated and stuff, like we're going to see a dip in golf because people are going to be doing other stuff. We're, we're not but like other people are. Yeah. That 30%, 40% uptick that they've had during COVID and all this time and all these people that have taken their grandparents' golf clubs out of their garage, regripped them and started going out and hitting the ball, you know, those guys are going to throw the clubs right back into the garage and never look at them again. Probably. And the people that support the courses and, and do pre, you know, or did think that that was their home course and treated it that way are probably going to find another place to play. I mean, I, I know for both of us, I think like, it's also really hard for it to have a really bad experience and then to have it, have it made over. I mean, I think that, like, I think that I normally know in the first, like, you know, four or five holes, if I want to kind of come back to a place and yeah, I mean, it would be really challenging for me, especially again, per our last couple of pods with the plethora of options in the Bay area. I just want to give my time and money to courses like rooster run, um, even like foxtail, right. Or I mean, nay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, at that like 30 to $60 range of those like really, or, you know, bodega, like there's going to be like, actually one thing really fun is like when COVID is air quotes, like over to do like, what are like, what's kind of your list of like, cool, like in the Bay area, like these, this, these are going to be like my staples, right? Like this is going to be the places I'm going to come back to. Of course, excited to explore more, but there's certain places like Chardonnay. I mean, I think this was, I think when you play there next Saturday, it's my fourth time. Like that's a lot for being an hour outside of the Bay. I mean, I played there more than I played Harding, uh, but it's because I have an amazing time every time. So we'll, we'll talk about that, but yeah, to your point, they're just being like, yeah, whatever stack T sheet. But to your point last week, um, it's about local supporting the courses in good times and bad. And like, it's not always going to be like, I mean, they've literally never seen this before. Right. Well, and it seems like it happens more often at courses where people don't have as many options around it. So like Mm. Diablo Creek is in Concord. There aren't, so anybody that lives in the Bay Area or visits the Bay Area, or you know what, even in your hometown, if you're not in our area, um, you've had courses close in a lot of courses over the last, you know, 10, 20 years. We've, We've seen a lot of shutdowns through golf. And a lot of courses closed, developed into houses, you know, all those kind of things. And unfortunately, the Concord, Antioch, Pittsburgh, you know, area has been hit hard for that, you know, and they've lost four to five courses over the last 10 years. So Concord really only has Diablo Creek. There, there's one other nine hole course that's, you know, really short and, you know, um, you know, Buchanan Fields right by this little, you know, private airport. And then you've got Lone Tree, which is all the way, you know, almost in all the way out in Antioch in Brentwood area, which is, you know, a really, you know, a, a good course. You played, you know, Lone Tree with me. Um, and, but it's about 25, 30 minutes, you know, past Diablo Creek. And then if you're going, then you've got, boulder canyon or bolt you know yes uh boundary oaks wow that took me a minute um boundary oaks which is another golf course that you know it gets heavily overplayed other than those those three 
I mean, you're driving all the way down into, you know, Dublin, San Ramon, or hopping over the, the hills and going all the way out to Tilden Park and Monarch. And so you don't have a lot of options. And in within that area, you know, there's there's half a million people that live in that area. So to only have, you know, two golf courses to really choose from, it, you know, it, it gets, you know, impacted, you know, overrun a lot yeah but but i'll tell you though i mean one thing you know i I, like i'm super excited to to play river pines with you the course that you know i kind of rediscovered golf in, and you know it's all my buddy nick knows who we've talked about on the pod before but one of the things that i love about river pines so much is their marshals are very nice but like pretty militant like they run a tight like i told you if you're like in the second fairway lollygagging they'll come yell at you on the second hole but when I've asked them about why they like, and I'm not asking a golf course to like feel grateful. That makes them not trying to imply that. But like when I've talked to some of the marshals out there, they're like, we understand how important golf is during this time. Right. We know there's a whole bunch of people, but they're like, because that area similarly, like John's Creek, like, like for context, like right across from my dad's house, basically is Atlanta athletic club, like very exclusive, very private, right? The area he lives in is very heavily saturated with private golf country club of the South Atlanta athletic club. A lot of places like that. River pines is really one of the only public options. And so people from, I would say a 30 minute radius all gravitate towards river pines. And there's also a bunch of retired people. So for example, it's like impossible, like literally impossible to get a tea time before like 11 o'clock on a Saturday. Cause all the old dudes, like there's people like literally like there's guys who have the same tea times every day that aren't even tea times. It's like, they just like show up like literally when there's enough light and they just let them go. Yeah. Cause they're, cause they're, they have like a membership where you pay like a certain amount a year and you get to play. But the point is to say, I love river pines cause their philosophy was if we're going to be this busy, we've got to make people play. And so it's kind of funny where it's like the same idea as, you know, what we're talking about from our experience, but like it's a full tee sheet, we'll stack it and we'll just let's see what happens. River Pines is like, no, you're welcome to come play. We're going to light your ass up on number two if you're slow, because there's people who need to have a good experience behind you. It's like, amen. Like that's where the golf course should be doing it right. You know, again, River Pines was 40 bucks to go play a replay rate that was like $10. And with Marshall's, you know, keeping like, we never, ever, played over a four hour round river pines and like on a Saturday at 10 30 to like a four hour round. That's pretty awesome. So that's kind of a, yeah. the same experience, but with a golf course suit, they were very nice, but they would just go yell at people on number two. And like, I think that's awesome. And I would say that's probably the biggest thing I would say about Bay area golf is 90% of the courses. I never see a marshal. And even the more expensive courses you play, I don't see marshals at. And, and I, I wouldn't say that I have that that often of a bad experience with slow play through a lot of the courses in the Bay Area. You know, the majority of people do know how to keep pace of play or, you know, if, if they don't, they are at least playing with somebody that, that you know, keeps them going. But these courses, you know, especially on the weekends need to have somebody out there to keep it going. And that's why I, I'll give mad props to Karika. Uh, Karika Park always has marshals. I wouldn't say they're the most friendly marshals, 
you know, we, we've experienced some, you know, marshals that are a little harsh out of Karika, um, but they're always keeping you moving. They're always keeping it going. Same with Spanos out in Stockton. We played out there on a weekday and they had a marshal driving around, keeping it moving, keeping everybody going. And in those, it's just needed. I mean, if you're not going to, you're not going to, if America and American public golf is not going to force people to take a etiquette quiz or, you know, teach people the proper ways of playing the game, then, you know, it, we, we need somebody out there to at least keep, keep people moving. Because golf is one of the only sports that you, it, let's really think about this. Golf is one of the only sports that you can just pick up and you can kind of go out and play. Baseball, you kind of need a group of, of individuals that know what they're doing mm-hmm. to kind of organize a game. Football is kind of in the same realm. You could throw a football around, but you at least need to get a group of people together that know how to organize an actual game. Golf, you can kind of go out there not knowing what you're doing and yeah. hack it around and, and kind of make your way around the course. Yeah. But you're going to infuriate a lot of people that do know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like, to be clear, this is, we're not going to dive into politics, but the way I think about it is what would be great is like sort of like the federal government idea of like the USGA or some, some larger body made it mandatory. But the way to think about it is these golf clubs, almost like states, like kind of like states doing the work. Right. And I think that there's little things that we can do to kind of, and we can kind of put a pin on this after this, but, you know, I think that certain things like, like, I know that like one thing I really appreciate at Presidio is when they give you your scorecard, they also have a big tub of these like nice, like honestly, like shockingly nice. nice. Like I would pay like five bucks for one, but it's like a $5 divot tool. And the person's like, please fix your ball marks. And so that's where it's an opportunity. Like most people don't even, who never play golf, don't even know what a divot tool is. Yeah. They, they don't even know how to fix a ball mark. Like I know, like I should have, I mean, this is on me. It took Nick like, three months to be like oh i watched youtube video how to fix a ball marker i was doing it wrong he was just but my point is just like if they could like you know have a marshal to move things along hand someone a divot tool and say ask them to fix these are just some little things i think could really really help but yeah i mean at least at this point like we're probably not going to have some nationalization but i think the thesis here is you know again like really see more advocacy from golf courses and then the other thing too to take personal accountability i think the other thing too for those of us who know what we're doing well two things I think that it's not on us because again, we're trying to have a nice Saturday. It's not on us to play like the rules enforcer game. Right. And I don't, and honestly, I'm not a fighter. I don't want to get in a fight or anything like that. The bigger thing that I realized at Diablo was I think that we should just start calling the pro shop and Bay area courses. If you're on number two and there's a three, three car pileup effectively, just call the pro shop because I don't believe that they, that guy didn't know that people didn't know. But like when he said that, I was like, man, you know what? Like in that moment, we're like, ah, it'll get better. I think it's on us to like, we can't do much. Right. But I think that what we should do is people, they just call and make sure that at least they know what's going on. And then I think we can give them a fair shake where at least it's like, Hey, they tried to make it better or not. And I think especially because the whole point of this podcast is making sure that our listeners can have good recommendations. If we're going to light a course on fire for pace of play moving forward, we should also be more at like be more proactive and like we called the pro shop and let them know. And this is what we noticed after. So we'll kind of always make sure because again, I think for me, when it comes to public golf, you're probably the same, Chris, it's value greens, pace of play. If we've got those three things, yep. we're cooking with, 
gas. And for example, that's why it's so much fun at Foxtail. Like, yeah, the rough was weird. Like, you know, like you, like, like we were like losing balls, just like, in, like barely off the fairway, but you know, man, like greens were good. 39 bucks played under four hours. I, I'm Gucci. Yeah. I could do that all week. I want to do that every weekend. And, and you know what that in, so if anybody wants to come at us about how we rate courses or how, you know, how we, we rank things, those are really our three strongest criterias that we, we look for in a golf course is pace of play, you know, the, the greens fees and greens, like I, you can have a sparse fairway, you know, you can have some things that are, you know, rough around the edges, but if you, you've got some really good sets of greens and they're receptive and they're, they're good to put on, I'll, I'll wipe clean a lot of the other things throughout the golf course in, to be honest, I mean, to add in there, I would say course layout will also, you know, really intrigue us to come back as well. So if you've got some quirky holes and some some fun, you know, layouts in, in different things, that's also going to intrigue us to come back as well. But, you know, big, big thing has got to be pace of play. And it, it big thing is if we're going to pay big money, then we're going to add more criteria to that. But if it's a $40 round, we're going to let a lot of things slide as long as pace of playing greens are good. If I'm paying a hundred dollars, then, you know, or more then yeah, we're going to light, we're going to light the fairways on fire a little bit. If they're, if they're in a little bit rough shape, um, like we experienced down South at the, uh, the Rams, but, um, or I didn't, they did. Uh, but you know, for what we paid, what we got, we had a great, great experience at Foxtail. And th- those are the things, they're very easy things to ask for too. Like pace of play really is not hard. Don't overcharge your patrons when they come out on a regular basis, which unfortunately a lot of public golf courses are raising their rates right now because of the uptick in golf that they had in COVID. And they're using the excuse that they were closed for two or three months during the year. But to be honest, just like us at Golf Mart and and the the equipment spectrum, all that money came back to us in spades when we were able to open because every single tee sheet was stacked. They've had zero openings and it has in the driving ranges have never been busier. The amount of money they're probably selling in beverages and food is probably astronomically high as well. So all these things, they have gotten their money back into gouge public golfers irritates me. But if you're going to gouge us, make sure the pace of play is good and your course is in good condition because I will pay those rates all day if your course is up to standard and the pace of play is where it's at. And that's, sure. all, that's, that's all we ask in our ratings. Yeah. And to put a pin on this, Chris, you know, we'll tell our listeners. So uh, next week we're going to be playing on this week uh, on Saturday. Uh, we're playing Chardonnay, me, big Chris, producer, Jack. Uh, we've had a great experience there before. We're really excited to get out there. Uh, like I said, we've only ever had good experiences, but like kind of our commitment to you guys will always kind of be, we'll keep it 100 about the day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, big Chris, anything else? I think just, uh, 
a, a good round on Saturday and a, a good kind of thorough detail um, pod coming next week where I think we should also, you know, moving forward, we can also, when we're talking like Chardonnay is also make sure that we're, you know, like really kind of giving more, like, what was your favorite hole? What really engaged you? Were there any holes that were goofy golf? Like to really give a, a deep dive to Chardonnay, which I think for, we both agree is a, a very special track. Absolutely. And that's, that's so leading in, into more of our pods coming, coming past this. And now that we're, we're through, you know, our introductory phase uh, of, you know, entering this podcast spectrum, I think we're, we're going to start diving more into focusing on single golf courses or multiple golf courses, just on one, one episode and really give you a full deep dive on, on what, our thoughts were in, in the architecture and history and the people that run the course and really, really give you guys a behind the scenes of, of these courses that we get invited out to because Bob, our guy out at Chardonnay, who, you know, reached back out to me through, you know, in, through our Instagram municipals podcast, um, invited us out in, and I'm really, really, you know, thankful for Bob, you know, to letting us out and getting to experience one of our courses and and highlighting one of our favorite courses in the Bay Area. So I know Ashton's really stoked. And of course, we're always going to include producer Jack in in our, you know, endeavors when we go out and play as well. So look out for that next week. We're going to go in deep dive into Chardonnay out in Napa. Again, one of our courses, you know, deep into the Napa Valley within the vineyards, one of the most scenic uh, golf courses that you're going to play under, you know, under 75 bucks. It is, it is a great, great track. So look out for that, uh, for that, it, you know, highlight of one of our favorite tracks and, and what our experiences were next week, guys. So this is Chris. This is Ashton. Thanks for tuning in guys. We'll see you next week. (laughs)